הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתים של דורנו, וכל הצדיקים האמיתים שוכני עפר קדושים באשר בארץ המה ובכלל רבנו הקדוש. צדיק יסוד עולם נחנו במקור חוכמה רבנו נחמן מפגה. נענח נחמן נחמן אומן זכות טעם תגן עלינו וכל ישראל אמן. So last class, ברוך השם, we started Torah Dalet, and we got up all the way until Ot Chet, section 8. Um, so we'll start from here, which is the parable that Rabbeinu brings down in the Gemara Sota. Um, and we'll get into the story. We're going to stop right before the story of um, Rabbi Babachana. Um, so God willing, we'll do um, all the way until there for the second part, and then we'll finish off Torah Dalet um, Tomorrow, um, we'll do it in, we're going to split it up in three parts. So, let's get started. It's a parable, the parable with regard to a person. That this person was walking in the utter darkness and night. He was afraid of four things. Thorns, ditches, Wild animals and listing robbers, thieves. And he doesn't know which path to walk on, etc., etc. The story of the Gemara continues. Rabbeinu is going to bring up the explanation. Um, the, um, the He's going to finish out the story whenever he goes part by part. So here he just writes etc. And we walk it. We go into it. We continue. Because it's known. That all the bad character traits and all its derivatives, all the things that come out from each one, come from all these bad character traits and whatever is derived from these character traits, these bad character traits, are drawn from the four elements. What are these four elements? Obviously, it's earth, air, fire, water. Me'aba, marot, from the four bitterness, from the four types of bitterness. Ka'amu'ba b'mishnat chasidim, it's brought in the sefer, mishnat chasidim. Masechet asiyah gufanit, in that um, section of that book. Um, that depression, sadness, and all its derivatives are drawn from the domem, um, which is the inanimate. There's four types of kingdom: the inanimate, the vegetable kingdom, the the animal kingdom, and the human. So these are like the four. These represent the four elements, which represent these four kingdoms. So all this stuff. So basically, sadness, which Rabenu says is the worst of the worst sin. The worst sin in the Torah, sadness. It represents all hundred three, all three hundred sixty-five. Rota says of the Torah. So sadness is drawn from domem, the inanimate. Tavod raot, evil um, desires, like uh, sexual desires and all this sort of stuff. and all its derivatives, nimshachin mitomeach, are drawn from the the vegetable kingdom. Devarim betelim, um, or mitomeach from the animate. Devarim betelim mitodden nimshachin mechai. That the idle chatter, um, idle chatter, and all its derivatives like the shonagad and all this stuff, gossip, are drawn from the animal. And gaava, haughtiness, and all its derivatives, all the things that has to do with haughtiness, are drawn from the human kingdom. But one who wants to walk on the holy path, one who wants to walk on the path of holiness, what we talked about earlier, he needs to break all his midot raot. He needs to break every single one of his evil character traits and to tell this before the Tamit Chacham. Vidut Varim, what we call the, the, the words of confession. And the true Tamit Chacham, the, 
the tzaddik basically, will explain to him and clarify to this person the path that he needs to go on according to the root of his soul. Meaning the tzaddik is not, the tamid chacham isn't just telling you, oh, what the halakha is. No, he's giving you avodat Hashem. He's telling you exactly where you need to go because he sees your soul. Your gidgud, he sees your neshama, exactly where it comes from and he needs to tell you exactly what you need to work on, which path you need to go on, what decision to make, so on and so forth. There are three aspects when it comes to drawing close to the tzaddikim. That through these three aspects, one repairs everything. Everything. Everything that you want to repair comes through these three things that Rabbanu is going to explain now how you attach yourself to the tzaddik. To the tzaddikim. These are the three aspects. The first aspect tzaddik. Is seeing the tzaddik. Number one, see the tzaddik. Kemoshikatuv, that you and Echa Rotem or Echa Tzen Yishaya, that your eyes shall see your master, your teacher. Vezot Abchina, Mevateret Amidot Raot. This aspect nullifies all these um, bad character traits. Hanim Shahim Mishnei Sodot Domemet Somech, that um, are drawn from the two first Yesodot, the two first um, elements, the two first um, Yesodot which have to do with domem, the um, inanimate, and the animate, the inanimate in the vegetable kingdom. That is, atvut, sadness, and it's the um, it's, it's um, derivatives, all the things that come from sadness that have to do with sadness, that we said has to do with domem, that comes from domem. And tzomeach, which is um, the vegetation kingdom, um, has to do with v'ta'avot ra'ot, and ta'avot ra'ot, evil lusts. Why is it that the tzaddik, whenever you see the tzaddik, what it means to see the tzaddik, Rabbeinu speaks about this, it means to like study his Torah, and there, there's, um, what do you call it? There's, there's explanations to, the, to this. Um, Rabbi Natan had a student who, who had yearned to see the tzaddik, who had yearned to see Rabbeinu, and Rabbi Natan was telling him stories of Rabbeinu, and this person was like very sad that he hadn't had the opportunity to see Rabbeinu in his lifetime, while Rabbeinu was alive. Meaning he was he was later, he was born later, and Rabbi Nathan told him, "You think Yosele, the person who used to take Rabenu across the bridge in the boat, saw the tzaddik? This doesn't mean to see the tzaddik." Rabbi Nathan told him, "Seeing the tzaddik requires you to study the Torah that he that he brings down in the letters that he's writing, in the teachings that he's bringing. This is what it means to, to see the tzaddik. So this has to do with seeing the tzaddik and look at the Papa Chochmah and all the commentaries to to see this. But the main idea is see the tzaddik. Why is it that when you see the tzaddik, you you nullify all the, the bad things that has to do with um, the inanimate and the animate. The inanimate and the vegetable kingdom. Why is it that, has, that it, it nullifies all this sadness and all these evil lusts? Why? Because the tzaddik of the generation is called mother. So why is he called mother? Because he, he sustains Israel, he nurses Am Israel with the light of his Torah. And what, what is the Torah? The Torah is called milk. Um, honey and milk under your tongue. This is the reference to the Torah. And this we see naturally, empiric, um, empirically. And when the baby is in sadness and it's lethargic, meaning it's lazy, it doesn't do anything, it's, it's depressed. Whenever it sees its mother, it like, gathers itself up, it arouses itself with zizut, with enthusiasm to greet its mother. Why? Because his mother is his source, it's his shoresh. So what do we see? Each person, his root is the tzaddik. Amen also says that the tzaddik encompasses all 600,000 neshamot of Amishel. We see this in the Zohar. Each soul is root, rooted in the tzaddik. So whenever 
you come to see the tzaddik, you are coming to see. It's like all your laziness, all your bad traits are um, nullified and you get this enthusiasm again to come uh, close to the Torah, whatever it is. We also see naturally. See, in reality, that whenever a baby is involved with his little foolish things, like playing with toys or whatever, even though he has a tremendous desire for this, even so, whenever he sees his mother, what did he do? He throws all his desires behind his shoulders, throws them away, and he draws himself close to his mom. We find we see here <coughs> that what did we say? The atzlut, the sadness, the baby throws away whenever it sees its mom because he gets up enthusiastically, right? And what do we see here also? Whenever the baby is involved with foolish things, which is his considered his ta'ava, like his ta'avot ra'ot, like just like older people, like mature people have ta'avot ra'ot, evil lust, whatever that is. Um, so too, these babies' evil lust has to do with their foolish, their foolish play, their their foolish um, um, entertainment. But when it sees its mom, it throws away all this. So we see here that whenever you come close to the tzaddik, who's compared to the mom, why? Because it sustains Amisrael like a mother does with milk, and the Torah is the milk and the davash that we said the honey. Whenever we see the tzaddik, we we throw away all our ta'avot ra'ot, all our atzvut that has stems from the inanimate and the vegetable kingdom. Um, um, just through seeing the faith of tzaddik. And this is what it says, It says in the story um, that the person who walked at night um, in utter darkness was afraid of thorns. What is thorns? Kotim. The aspect of thorns is the aspect of this vegetation because where do thorns come from? From the flowers and from all this vegetation. Ufratim, what are ditches? domen. Pratim ditches is the aspect of domen, the inanimate. Clearly. Whatever he happened upon a lit torch, this is the explanation of the end of the story that we didn't explain. This person, he's afraid of thorns and all this stuff and all these things. But what happens? He finds a torch, a lit torch. Who's the little torch? This is the Tamil Chacham. What is Avuka? It's a little torch. Avuka, it's a torch. What's Avik? It means to glow. He glows with the light of the Torah. Then you're saved from the thorns and the ditches because the thorns and the ditches represent the inanimate and the, the vegetation, which is this depression, this sadness, and these evil lusts. And you're safe from these evil character traits, from these two elements that we just talked about. Because why the Tamit Chacham is a lit torch. He glows with the light of the Torah. And we're going to continue with the story. And we're going to explain how all the other two aspects of the other two elements, the how another idea of attaching yourself to the Tzaddik, um, will repair these other two elements. Rabbeinu is going to explain. The second aspect. How do you come close to the tzaddik? What are these three aspects in which you draw close to the tzaddik? That through through these three you rectify all these four elements and all the bad traits that come from them. The second thing is the first one was seeing the tzaddik. The second one is tzaddik that you give to the tzaddik. When you give tzaddik to the tamid chacham, you repair yourself and you save yourself from all the evil character traits of these two elements of chay, of animal and human this represents the evil anim- the wild animals and the thieves that w- were in the story 
These are the idle chatter that we do, and the, the haughtiness and its derivatives. Because through idle chatter and lashon hara comes poverty. It says in Shemot, because all the men died. What does it mean uh, when it says all the men died? It's a reference to poverty, as it says in Nedarim. The same is true um, uh, with regard to um, Gava, haughtiness. As it says in Gemara Kedushin, a sign for um, uh, pride and youth is poverty. Meaning, uh, if you have pride, it leads to poverty. But through Tzedakah, one gets rich. As Gemara says in Gitin, though they were united, uh, what did it say? Though they were united likewise, even so they are over and gone. I have afflicted you, but I have no. Uh, I have afflicted you, but will no longer afflict you again. Okay, let's see what this means. This pasuk is a reference to this idea of tzaka. Uh, wait a second. United and likewise, even so they're over and gone. I have affected you, but I will no longer affect you. What did this mean? I will no longer affect you. They don't show him again any signs of poverty, meaning through the fact that he nullifies his gasuta ruach, Hashem will no longer afflict you with this poverty. Kevan, this is what it says. This is what the finishing off the story. The, the story continues. Whenever this man came upon the lit torch and he was saved from all this stuff, right? The the ditches, the thorns, the, the ditches and the thorns. Um, but what happens whenever dawn came up? Kevan when dawn came, he was saved from the two other ones. So with the lit torch which was what we described as um, seeing the face of the tzaddik, seeing the tzaddik, you were saved from the first two yesodot, the inanimate and the vegetable. But whenever dawn came out, whenever dawn rose, what happened? Um, he was saved, this person was saved from the wild animals and the thieves. Why? The rising of dawn hints to tzaddik. What does it say in the Pasuk in Yeshaya? When you see um, when you see this person naked, you shall clothe him. Etc., etc. Then it says, then your light shall burst forth like the dawn. This idea of clothing someone who is naked is this idea of tztaka. You give charity to this person. Then your light shall burst forth like dawn, shall come out like dawn. This idea of dawn is tzedakah. Whenever you close someone, you give them tzedakah. This is the aspect of dawn. So we see tzedakah here is the aspect of dawn. Rabbeinu explained, whenever you do tzedakah, you save yourself from these tzedakah, which is the aspect of dawn. When dawn came up, he, saved, he was saved from the wild animals and the thieves. We see here that through Tzaka, one is saved from these evil traits of these two uh, elements, which are the animal kingdom and the human kingdom.
which represents obviously wild animals and thieves. Now, he was saved from all the four things he was scared of, but there's a third aspect of coming close to the tzaddik that repairs everything. Still haven't finished. Whenever he confesses his words, he does an exp- a verbal confession before the tamid chacham. Through this, the tamid chacham leads this person according to a straight path, according to the root of his soul. The story doesn't end. It says after this person was saved from these um, wild animals and the thieves, it says he reached a crossroad. He reached the crossroads. So, aside from the story, Rabbi would come to explain what the crossroads mean. What did it say in the Sota, in Gemara Sota? It said that this is a reference to Tamid Chacham. It's in the Gemara there in the story. It says, What is Hafrashad Rachim? This is Tamid Chacham. The Yom Amitah, the day of death. This is the, 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 the sage and the Yom of Death, and the day of death. So, what is the sage? This represents the bidud varim. This represents the verbal confession one does before the tamid chacham. So we understand tamid chacham has to do with tamid chacham, right? But what does the day of death have to do with bidud varim? So let's see now. Yom amita remez al vidui. We see here that Rabenu is going to explain now. Rabenu says Yom amita, the day of death, hints to verbal confession. Anyone who's about to be put to death. Confesses. Anyone who's about who's being about to be killed by Bedin has to confess right before. So now we understand how vidui has to do with death. So whenever it says this is the Tamil Chacham and the day of death, when it says crossroads, what are the crossroads? It's the it's the sage and the day of death. What is the sage and the day of death? It's the verbal confession one does before the Tamil Chacham. Because anyone who's about to die, according to Bedin, one has to um, Verbally confess. This is what we call a crossroad. Because parashat derachim, parashat, which means like this, um, this meeting of roads, parashat actually comes from the word mafrish to explain. That the tamit chacham mafrish lo, he explains to him and he makes clear, clear, he clarifies to this person the path. Parashat derachim, he clarifies the derech for this person according to the root of his soul. Then he said from every single one of these bad traits, from all these four elements, because before he confessed, what does it mean? He said from everything, because before he confesses, even though that he, he's next to the Tamit Chacham and he gives him money, and he sees the Tamit Chacham and he gives him Tzaka, the first two that we explained, the first two aspects of coming close to the Tzaddik, he still hasn't done the third thing. He doesn't know with, which path to go on, which path to walk on. Because the, the path that seems right to a person, but the truth is, its end leads to death. He doesn't know where it leads him, but he doesn't even know that it's going to bring him to, to his death. This is before he, he confesses. But when he comes to confess before the tzaddik, when he comes to the crossroads, this is the, the, the sage and the day of death, which we said, which is the before the then he knows which path to go on because then the end doesn't lead to death. He's safe from everything. He knows exactly the path to go on because the tzaddik knows the root of his soul. This and this is every single time a person comes to the Tamid Chacham and tells him his entire heart, he speaks to him his heart. The Tamid Chacham who represents Moshe Rabenu, who represents nothingness that we said, because the Tamid Chacham is Chokhmah, right? He has this wisdom. But what does Chokhmah come from? You shall find Chokhmah from where? Ain, nothingness. 
Meaning, because it's tzaddik, who is nothing, the aspect of nothingness, you come before the tzaddik and you tell him your entire heart, because he's truly humble. And now you are encompassed within God's infiniteness. God Himself, within the infinite one, Hashem. This is the Kabbalistic term to describe Hashem, the God Himself. This is what it says in the the sign, whenever we sing the Torah, there's different ta'amim, there's different um, sort of signs how, you, how, to know, how to sing each, um, each, um, each ta'am. Zaka is one of them. It's like a little squiggle on the top of, um, of the word. Zaka is actually upon the word you throw back to the place from which it was taken. Zaka is the idea of throwing back something from the place at which it was taken. Because what did we say earlier? What is Vidud Varim? Vidud Varim is repairing the Malchut, the aspect of those words, the Lota, the, the prohibition in Torah, that you messed up the combination you wrote on your bones. Meaning Malchut is now in the Galut. Because Malchut is speech. The, the speech of the Torah that you messed up according to your sin, now is by the Abulat Kachavim, by the Goyim. But what did you have to do? What is Zaka? To throw back to the place in which it was taken. Malchut belongs somewhere else. It belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what do you have to do? You have to return the Malchut to Ensof, to the Infinite One, to Hashem Himself. What is Ensof? Another way to explain God Himself is the will of all wills. Because you cannot separate Hashem from His Ratzon. Anything Hashem desires, He wills, comes into existence immediately. There's no separation from his will to his capability. Meaning everything he, he wills comes into existence. It's, it, there's no difference. For man, when you want to will something, when you want to will, for example, to build a bridge, it takes time to do that. It's sometimes not, it's not even possible to do that. But Hashem, there's no difference between what he wills and what he's capable of doing. So Hashem himself is characterized by his raton. Because the manchut, which we said are the letters of speech, within each and every letter is enclosed within each letter the raton of Hashem, the will and the desire of Hashem, that the will of Hashem was, that this letter would look like this, meaning each and every letter that we look at, the Aleph, the Bet, the Gimel, the Dalit, the He, whatever it is, has a certain shape, has a certain form, has a certain pronunciation. All these characteristics of each letter. Is because Hashem willed it that way. So within the letter is the aspect of Hashem Karaton. The Ota Heret and another letter, Yela Temuna Heret, shall have another form, another image. What do we see? That the Retonot of Hashem, the will of Hashem, is actually the form of the letters. So we see the letters in itself are the revelation of Hashem's kingship. The whole Elua Retonot and all these Retonot. All these wills, which we just said are the forms of these letters, are actually drawn from the Ratzon of the Infinite One of Hashem, of God. God Himself has no form. As we know, this is one of the principles that a person must say every day, that Hashem, He has no Tmuna. He has no uh, form. So, all these forms, which are the letters, which is the Malchut, comes from the Ensof. So the letters, which is Malchut, has a certain form. But disguised within the letters is the Ratzon of Hashem, which is Insof, which is the infinite one, which is God Himself. The aspect of Keter, right? <clears throat> and that aspect of Insof, that Hashem Himself has no form. So within the forms is the Ratzon of God who has no form Himself. So, we continue. 
that all these forms of these letters, these um, all these wills, which are these these forms of these letters, and so are actually drawn. The source is from the ratzon of of God, the Infinite One, who has no form at all. And all the the things of ex- existence, material existence in this world, anything that has existence in this world, come from the letters. That is from Malchut. Rabbeinu explained in another Torah that within each thing you have to believe with full emuna that within each thing has letters and otiot that nothing exists in this world without the otiot that Hashem created. It's the code through which Hashem creates this world. So all the existence is the aspect of malchut. But it receives its... Um, no, my bad. Uh, a little bit more up. Because all the existence comes from malchut. That Hashem wanted that he should reveal his kingship in the world. This is why God created the world from um, ex nihilo. This idea that he created the world from nothing to, to something. From with, out of nothingness, God created something which is impossible for us to do, to even comprehend. But this is what Hashem said. And all the retonot, hanuat monot. All the all these wills which are the forms of these letters, and all the existence in the world, this all represents malchut that we talked about. It receives its life force from the ratzon of the infinite one of Hashem. As it says in Megillah, in any single place that you find the greatness of Hashem, the finishes off, the Gemara finishes off, there you find His humility. In the place of God's greatness, you find His humility specifically there. It's like a paradox. But in the place where you find Hashem's greatness, meaning His malchut, His kingship, meaning His ratzon, His wills, there you find His humility. What is His humility? The aspect of Ayin. Ayin, which is what? Keter, which is, in Ratzon, which is um, the will, which represents Keter, in Tzof, God Himself, the Infinite One. Meaning, there you find Hashem's greatness, which is in Malchut, because obviously kingship represents this aspect of grandeur, which is the Ratzonot, there you find the Ratzon of the Infinite One, of nothingness. There you find His humility, which is the aspect of Ayin, which is Keter, in Tzof. This is the aspect of Removing from yourself all this corporeality, all this materialism. Because what did we say, Moshe Rabbeinu, whenever he wanted to be humble earlier, in the last class we explained that Moshe, to attain true humility, he had to remove himself all his physicality. Because you cannot feel, you cannot um, be humble whenever the king himself is already praising you, except by means of completely removing your senses, your emotions, everything from yourself. So what does the Zohar say? Uh, my bad. This is what. Uh, then we get to the Zohar. This is the aspect of removing um, all your materialism. Because when one because when a person wants to encompass himself within the will of the infinite one, you must nullify your existence. You cannot do bitul. You cannot completely nullify yourself within God's infiniteness, within His greatness, within His humility. Hashem's humility, right? Within His ultimate, the ultimate, ultimate attribute of Hashem within this Keter. You cannot nullify yourself within God Himself. The Raton of Hashem, which is like the idea of Shabbat Mecha, which we're going to talk about right now. You cannot nullify yourself within that except if by means, if you completely remove yourself from existence of this world. Meaning you don't even know you exist. You, you like you, you nullify all your senses. 
your emotions. You don't even know where you are. We're going to see this uh, right now. This is what is in the Zohar in Nitro. Moshe passed away on Shabbat at the time of Mincha. Why? Because at the time of Mincha on Shabbat, we know what happened. The will of wills is in revelation. Hashem's Keter, the Keter of Hashem is in revelation. The will of wills. Which is the will of the infinite one. And all the retonot, all the wills, um, receive its life force from that place, that will. The will of wills. Which is what all the retonot in the world, which are the forms of the letters of the Mahud, every single existence in the world comes from one place. One place only, which is called the reton and sof. The will of wills. This is Hashem Himself, who's infinite. And the reason why Moshe passed away at Shabbat Mincha, was because Moshe completely removed all his existence. He said, Bitul, nullification. As it says, And what are we? Moshe was saying this about him and Aaron. He attained such humility that he didn't even attribute himself to anything. He just said, What? I'm a what, basically. I don't exist. And this is what is explained. It says about in Dvarim, about Moshe's burial. That they buried him, that he, Hashem buried him in Vagai, in the valley. This is the aspect of, nullific, of nothingness. Why is valley the, the aspect of nothingness? All the valley, the entire valley, shall be elevated. In the land of Moab. What does it mean? That he buried him in the valley, in the land of Moab. Um, this idea like this. That they buried him in the valley. This valley is the aspect of nothingness. In the land of Moab, this is Mahut. David comes from Moab. So, so what do we say? That valley represents nothingness and Moab represents Mahut. The combination between Moab, which is Mahut, because we know David comes from Moab, which is Ruta Moabia. So David comes from Mahut, which is Moab. But what? Mahut receives all its life force from where? The guy, the valley, which is what? Ayn, nothingness, which is Raton Ensof, which is the will of the infinite one. So we see Moshe Rabbeinu passes away, Betoch Ensof. Moshe passes away within Hashem himself, within God's infiniteness. Betoch Raton Shibertonot, within the will of all wills. Betoch Ra'avad Ravin, within the will of all wills. Shehu Bechirat Raton Ensof Hamurbash Bechatonot, which is the aspect of Raton of God, the Raton of the infinite one. The infinite what Hamnubash, which is enclosed within all the other Ratsunot of the world, within all existence of the world, within all the Malchut. Bitmunot Otiot, within the forms of all the letters. Bifkinat Malchut, which represents Malchut. So, within Malchut has the, has the light of the Ratsun and Sof, which Moshe Rabbeinu passed away in. He passed away in the, the valley, which is Kol Nase. All the valley shall be elevated. This is the idea of the, ele- the highest elevation, which is Keter. And what is this thing? This Keter, this Retzon Ensof, Ensof himself, God himself, is present within the Malchut, which is Moab, which is David, the Melech, who comes from Moab. Um, and David obviously is Malchut, we know. So, we see here that within um, all the forms of the letters, within all the existence in this world, has enclosed within it the light of God, uh, God himself, the will of wills. In all the places where you find his greatness, which represents what did we say, which is Malchut, kingship, the 
all the wills of the world. There you find what? His anvetanuto, his, 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 his humility. God's humility, which is what? His will of wills. Retzon and Sof, which is the will of God Himself. This is Mul Bet Peor, that they buried him in the valley opposite, um, the, um, in the land of Moab. Mul Bet Peor, opposite Bet Peor, this idol. As it says, Big Mara, uh, in the Midrash Agada, my bad, and also in the Midrash Agada, Moab, it was Fot Sota, Yudalit. Probably like the little additions in the Gemara Sota. Why was it called Peor? For the fact that it opens its mouth wide. So now Rabbi is going to explain how this all has to do with what we just talked about. Whenever one blemish in Malchut, then a person has, then Peor, this evil idol, which opens its mouth wide, right? Because it's called Peor, because it, it opens its mouth wide. Now Peor can open its mouth wide and has the strength to open its mouth with evil combinations. Meaning, what happens? It blemishes Malchut. It brings Malchut into into uh, it brings malchut into its king into its power now now all the malchut, the malchut doesn't be, it's like it gets taken away from Hashem and gets brought to this peor this idol the evil kingship the 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 goyim and this is what we said we have to return the malchut to Hashem return to Hashem this idea of um, returning this idea of zaka throwing it back to the place which it was taken, bringing Malchut back to the place which it belonged, which is Malchut back all the way to the end sof, which is its root, which is all its chayut, all its life force. So, Aval Moshe, Malchut, but Moshe who represents, the care, who rectified the, the trait of Malchut, this is why Moshe was buried opposite Peor, and it didn't allow, it didn't give the power to Peor to open up its mouth. This is what it says, ish, no man knew. Um, no man knew of his burial place, basically. That's the ending of the phrase. No man knew where Moshe was buried. Look at this. Look at this Chidush. Even Moshe himself did not know where he was buried. Because he was completely nullified within um, God's infiniteness. <laughs> within Hashem himself, he was nullified. So Moshe nullified himself completely to the point where he didn't even know he existed. <laughs> he didn't even know where he was buried. All this was in his death. Rabbeinu is explaining, but certainly also with regard to Moshe, in his lifetime too, he also nullified his uh, materialism. And he also attached himself to the light of God's infiniteness. But no, it wasn't to the same level as of nullification of materialism as it was during the time of his death. Because you know at the time of his death, he literally didn't even know where he was buried. He was so nullified within the presence of Hashem's, within the God's presence, he completely nullified himself to, to nothingness. But in his lifetime, he also attained this aspect of bitul, nullification, but not to the same level. Because the aspect of nullification that he attained in his lifetime was what Rabbeinu calls the achayot ratzobashov. The angels, the, the fiery angels who were running and returning. What did this mean? Rabbi is going to explain a massive, massive, massive practical idea that we all have to learn from. Because HaKadosh Baruch wants our service. As it says, Hashem, you desire our praise from the mounds of dust, from the humps of Chomer, of clay, from the humps of clay, from the, the mountains of clay. So what did it say? 
Rabbanu is explaining that Hashem desires specifically Avodat Hashem from the place where it's dirty, where it's in this world. This is why Moshe Rabbeinu, or any single person who does this bitul, cannot remain in the state of bitul until Hashem Yidbarach himself, Hashem God himself comes and takes your soul. Because Hashem desires your praise in this world, but specifically from the mounds of dust. Meaning you cannot just run and constantly be engaged in Avodat Hashem and all this stuff. You have to lower yourself and engage with the world. This idea that you have to run and return. The angels ran and returned. They couldn't just, they run. There's no such thing as only just running. There's returning in this world. But Moshe Rabbeinu, when he passes away, because it's death, Hashem is coming to take your neshama, then it's the aspect of running. Then it's completely tour. And this we see. Rabbeinu is explaining now something awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. An idea in prayer. Sometimes a person has so much enthusiasm in his prayer, and he says some words and with tremendous enthusiasm. This is because Hashem has compassion on this person. And Rabbi was specifically using the, the parable of prayer here, obviously, because prayer obviously all has to do with words. It's in Abodat Hashem that also do with speaking words, which is what we talked about earlier, which is Midat HaMalchut, all the forms of the letters, all this stuff. But aside from that, we go on. Hashem has compassion on this person. This is why He allows this person to open up His mouth in words of prayer with enthusiasm. Sometimes he, this person feels that His words are coming out properly. You know what I mean? He feels the fire of the words of prayer. Why? That Hashem basically opened up the light of His infiniteness, His infinite light, and He illuminated this person. But when a person sees this shining, this like light, even though he might not see it, his mazal sees it, which is basically his angel that's in charge of him. Then what? Immediately after, his soul becomes enthusiastic and becomes aroused and attaches itself greatly. To attach itself to the light of God's infiniteness. And according to the level of, that God reveals his, himself to this person, which is commensurate, which is exactly according to the number of letters that Hashem opened up to this person and made shine to this person. Meaning according to how much Hashem reveals Himself and His light to this person, so too the amount of letters He's going to say with vekut, with tremendous uh, attachment and and uh, nefesh, sacrificing of soul, and nullification of His strength. And at the time that you nullify yourself to God Himself, this becomes the aspect of no man knew. Meaning, no man knew where Moshe was buried. That even he himself did not know of his own existence. This is a feeling sometimes that we might even taste just a tiny bit in prayer, where Hashem opens up the light of His infiniteness to us. And sometimes we don't even feel that we are existing. We're just so much in the prayer, we don't even know we exist. As Rabbanu said, the person should pray so much so that he doesn't even realize anyone else is in the room with him. It's just him and Hashem. But he says that even greater of nullification in prayer is not the aspect where you don't think anyone else is in the room, it's just you and Hashem. The greatest aspect of nullification in prayer is when you yourself, you don't know, don't know you exist. It's just the king. It's just Hashem. Hashem occupies all space, time, everything. This is Moshe Rabbeinu at the end of his life. But while you're alive, you cannot attain this, this idea uh, constantly. You have to be constantly running back and forth. <clears throat> and this is what it says, that no, he didn't know of his own existence, right? 
אבל זאת הבחינה צריך להיות רצו ושוב. This aspect needs to be running and returning. כדי שיתקיים ישותו, in order that your existence should be like, sustained. You cannot, you cannot continue to exist except by means if you return. You cannot just constantly be in bitul. נמצא. כשהיו בבחינת רשוב, be fine that when a person returns, עלה צריך להראות גם לדתו. You must also illuminate also your intellect. What did that mean? Kimitrila, because at the beginning, at the time of your attachment, meaning Hayanit Batel Adat, at the time you're in Bitul, at the time you're nullifying yourself to Hashem, your Da'at, your intellect is completely nullified. As it says in the Pasuk, no man knew. Meaning, whenever you're attached to Hashem in this Bekud and this Bitul, you do not know that you're there. Meaning, you have no awareness. You're, you're completely there without knowing you exist at all. So there's no Da'at there. There's no intellect there. But whenever he returns, that he returns to his knowledge and his existence, then you shall return to your da'at, meaning illuminate your da'at now. When you return back to your da'at, meaning now that you know that you were in bitul, meaning you come back from this bitul, right? You come into existence again, right? But now you're aware that you were just there. You weren't aware while you were there. But now when you return, you are aware that you were once there. Then you know the, the unification of the infinite one, Hashem, and His goodness, His kindness, the kindness He bestows upon people. Look how He beautifully ties everything together since the beginning of the lesson. Then there's no difference between Yud Kevavke and Elohim. Because once you attain this Bitul, which is this running, then when you come back, you have to illuminate your mind that you are just attained this Bitul. It's this idea of like combining Og and Sof to Malchut, this idea of Yudke Bavke Terach Te Elokim. Malchut, which we know as Elokim, which we talked about earlier, which is the language of expression of rulership and kingship, which is Elokim. This is Malchut. But what? You must illuminate um, that Bitul, which is the Ensof, which is this Ayin, this nothingness, all the way to your Dat. Um, so that you knew you were once there. So, then once you do this, once you return, you do this once you run and then you want to return and you illuminate your dot that you were there. You illuminate your dot with all the stuff that you just experienced. Then there's no difference between the, the attribute of uh, judgment and the attribute of mercy. Because with regard to Hashem Himself, it's not applicable this idea. She knew of a change of will. Meaning Hashem doesn't change his will. His will is perfect. You cannot say that Hashem changes his will. Everything that he does is perfect. Because the, all the differences that come are only with regard to a change in the letters, in the Timunot, in the aspect of Marchut, which we talked about when it comes into revelation. But up there with Hashem himself, in God's intellect, which we can't even understand, in the aspect of Ketel, God is perfect. There's no, there's no changing. There's no understanding. Of, there's no difference between midat adin and midat harami. Everything is perfect there. Everything is good. So once we we do the ratzov ashov, once you run, you're in this goodness. But once you return, you have to illuminate your dad. You have to understand. And this is why Rabban says, "Kshadam yodeh." When a person knows, meaning you have to bring back to your dad that so that you shall know that there's no difference between midat adin and midat harami. But you're, it's only possible through this bitul. And how do you do the bitul? Do the bitul dvarim that we talked about. So what does Rabbeinu say? There's no difference within Hashem's raton except by means of the letters when it comes to malchut. But up there, God Himself, you cannot say that there's differences with Hashem. That there's a change of will. 
Hashem is perfect. But when a person attaches himself completely to the insof, to God Himself, that there, there is no change of ratzon, no change of will. Because there it's simple ratzon. Ratzon pashut. Know this word? It's ratzon pashut. This is the simple ratzon. And afterwards, he remains this, this, this sensation from that unity that he had felt that he had experienced without even knowing he experienced it. But that experience that he had, that unity with Hashem, he he has that 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 reshimu, that residue. Um and um that residue. And then what happens? He returns. Then this imprint, this residue that he had experienced within that unification of God illuminates his intellect that he shall know that everything is good and everything is one there's no difference between Elohim and Yudkev it's all one Hashem Echad Ushmo Echad and this is Moshe says to his generation when we take out the Torah we read this what do we say? you have illuminated Da'at you have shown Da'at that Yudkev is Elohim because what is Da'at? That is whenever you understand that aspect of that bitul that you had just attained. When you show your dad that reshimu, that imprint that you had just felt within that achdut, within that unification with God. Ki Hashem that Hashem is Elohim because you illuminated that. Meaning, what is you illuminated that? When you attained bitul, you illuminated with that imprint that you felt up there, your dad. And what is, did you illuminate there? Hashem Rakim, that up there there's no difference between because Moshe represents nothingness. Ain. Humility, complete humility. And his generation, in comparison to him, that were attached to him, are considered to him da'at. It's like Moshe Rabbeinu is the aspect of, as if to say, God forbid, like this idea of ensof. Not to obviously say that, no, it's not, not to obviously that Moshe is Hashem. God forbid, God forbid. This idea to say that Moshe though represents this idea of Keter and his generation represents this idea of Da'at. It's like Moshe is the aspect of the Bitul and then Moshe, once he does the Bitul, he illuminates the Da'at to, he illuminates all of Am Yisrael, this idea. This is why Moshe, we know, is the aspect of Da'at. This is brought in the writings of the, Ariaza, of the Arizal. You illuminated Da'at. Meaning Moshe, the generation, because they're attached to Moshe, now they can know. It's fitting for them to know. This is the beauty of attaching yourself to the tzaddik. The tzaddik can illuminate even the lowest person. Meaning Moshe Rabban was able to illuminate the da'at, bichnat and sof. The aspect of God's infinite, infinite, infinite uh, God's infinity, basically. His, God's infiniteness. His unity. The aspect of the will of wills. The aspect of Hashem is Elohim. Moshe was able to illuminate this concept of God Yudke Vavke and Elohim, Din and Rachamim are all one. There's no difference between them to his generations. So that even his generation, even us, at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, knew this. This is the beauty of the tzaddik. Tzaddikim like this, like Rabbeinu, that we just, this is where we're going to stop for today. Such a Torah like this, that even Rabbeinu can illuminate within his students such awesome, awesome awarenesses, such, that even us, we can taste this bitul. Because Rabbeinu who attains this, he illuminates it to us. And it's an awesome, awesome thing to even have such a taste of this, a t- foretaste of the world to come, to know that Yudke Bavke is Elohim. So God willing, may we have the merit to do this, and to truly feel this within our hearts and within our souls, and to 
to have a taste of this be'emet. To truly draw ourselves closer to the tzaddik, and God willing, we'll, we'll continue with the lesson next class. Be'ezrat Hashem.